0: The Dugout CEO Podcast is on the air. I'm Phil Van Horn, baseball lifer and fan of the Dugout CEO. Each week, Casey Cavell goes around the horn with baseball
1: superstars, Hall of Fame coaches, and business leaders who've used baseball experience to win the game of life. Now batting, Casey Cavell.
0: Welcome to the Dugout CEO Podcast. Today, I am joined by Mike Shaheen, who is a Director of Student Leadership at Whitfield Academy, State Championship winning coach, proud husband, father, and heavily respected leader and coach in all of the baseball circles. Mike, welcome to the Dugout CEO. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Gosh, we met, it was, I think, 2011. I was on a mission trip, Dominican Republic, and you were there, living there full time, and I'm like what kind of crazy guy goes from a nice, amazing state championship winning job in Atlanta and moves to a third world country? I'm like, I got to know this guy a little bit more. So glad to get to know you even better today and share your story with our listeners. So uh, thanks again for being here once again.
1: Well, thank you. It was a a whirlwind back then. When you met me, you probably met a uh, a very uh, confused and chaotic (laughs) period of my time and um you know just being in a different country but my hope is that our first uh time together down there in the dominican was okay (laughs) because i i really like i said it was a whirlwind and just looking back at it now what a blessing but it was great to meet you then and i'm excited to be here today awesome
0: well give us your
1: baseball background maybe playing up through coaching all right well I was a star T-ball player. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so um, I think you know this, but uh, the audience doesn't. I grew up in uh, a suburb of Boston, about 20 minutes south, of, called Brockton. Um, I always tell people if you know who Rocky Marciano is or Marvin Hagler, um, Etonic shoes, where it's called the Shoe City um, in Footjoy. Um, that's Brockton, Massachusetts and, um, was a great place to grow up and little league was huge. Uh, probably, you know, I guess there's a few towns around here, Smyrna and Buckhead Baseball that are big little league, NYO, but as travel ball has come and gone or come, uh, little league has kind of been, I think changed, but growing up playing little league and then, uh, my goal was always to play high school baseball at Brockton high, a big, huge school of 4,500 students. Uh, really big, double the size of my college, and um, had that opportunity. Uh, I was a two sport athlete I played football as a quarterback, and I played baseball oddly i 'm a baseball coach now, uh, a head baseball coach, and have been for a while. but you know football was my first love like my my whole hope was to be the quarterback at Brockton high School. Uh, there have been many that have gone on and done big things from that school, and so that 's what I wanted to do um but um and then and we won a state championship in football my senior year we beat matt hasselbeck who played for zavarian brothers uh in the state championship and um and that would be like again one of my best moments ever and it was football uh how that translates i went to college at colby up in maine for a year for football mainly but football baseball and uh after a year i realized i didn't want to be in waterville maine anymore uh, I was homesick, missed my mom. I uh, grew up with a single parent and came back and went to Stonehill College um, in Easton, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, which is right next to Brockton, and um, and took care of my mom and my grandmother and went to school, put myself through college, played baseball, played a little football, but then mainly went over to baseball at Stonehill. Uh, they were D2 back then. I think they're D1 now. Uh, but loved it. Um and really kind of fell in love with baseball even more um, at that time, knowing all along that I wasn't going to be a professional baseball player, um, good enough to be a pitcher in baseball for D2. uh, But also, I think my coaches would say I was most definitely a future coach then. Uh, I love team sports. I love rallying the troops. Uh, I love giving a motivational uh speech or you know comment um I've been an extrovert a lot like my 18 year old son now who is as well and um and so when I got towards the end of college I I started coaching uh baseball and it was called AAU it's since now called travel ball but back then it was called AAU baseball for the South Shore Sea Dogs and and loved every moment of it. I was an assistant coach at age, I don't know, twenty twenty one, and loved it. Went back to my hometown, Brockton, and was a volunteer coach as I taught there as a history teacher. And I knew at that point that I wanted to be a head baseball coach. Um, but to make a long story short, I don't have to necessarily go into all the, the time here in, uh, in Georgia. But the Lord, I couldn't have scripted it any any better, like for my life. I did not get, and this is kind of an encouragement to those who are going through tough times or whether they got fired or they didn't get a job they wanted, but I didn't get the freshman coaching, baseball coaching job at my high school. The high school I was the quarterback, state champion, and the starting pitcher. Um, I didn't get that job. Some other grad or alum got it. And it was a kind of a rough moment. And Jody and I, my wife, uh, whom you know, um, I just kind of I remember coming home and just being like, I don't I think we need to maybe go somewhere different. And we had visited Atlanta because my uncle was here. And so to make a long story short, we decided to up and leave and come to Atlanta. Uh, And um, it, you know, the Lord wanted me here. And um at that point I didn't know why um I wanted the freshman coaching job but who would have thunk just 10 years later we would have wa- I would be a state champion high school baseball coach a part of building a program like Wesleyan which today uh the likes of Drew Jones and many many others James Ramsey coach at Georgia Tech uh graduated and played at and is now considered one of the best baseball schools around and I mean, who would have thought I, I didn't I wasn't a, I didn't coach my freshman team. I couldn't get that job in my hometown and that the Lord brought me to Atlanta and gave me that opportunity to 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 come here and coach baseball to teach. And now I'm the director of student leadership at Whitfield Academy. I love every moment of it. So super cool to see that journey and how one
0: thing that didn't work out turned out to be a, a blessing in disguise. When you started at Wesleyan, building that program, what was it like in that first year and then how did you take it from where it was when you started to a state championship winning team with multiple players drafted and you know the list of accomplishments is a mile long, but what was your philosophy? Because everybody listening to this, are either a, a leader or they're leading a business or they're a coach leading a team. Like, What was your philosophy on leadership and on coaching and how did you take it and build it into the program that it is today?
1: Yeah, that that's a great question. And it's funny because I've had um, today I have a lot of people ask me that in regards to how is Wesleyan in my experience there um, different or similar to this experience here at Whitfield. I've been i am now been at Whitfield for five years and we went from 18 guys in the high school program to now we have a varsity JV And we're going to probably have two middle school teams. We've won three straight region championships. How does that happen? And I would say, and then Wesley, and obviously you just talked a a little bit about it, and we won three state championships back then. I think they have five now. But I look at it, and it's um, those two places, these two situations were very different in that, yes, I had to build uh, from within and, and do various different things, but Wesleyan wasn't a bad culture. It was a kind of a no culture. It was the beginning. Uh, the school was only a handful of years in, and I had the opportunity, kind of almost with a clean slate, to come in and 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 do what it, whatever it is that I believe is the right way to do it. Whitfield, I came into a bad situation. I was I was the fifth coach in five in six years, and 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 it was just it was kind of a mess and. Uh, We have an amazing athletic director and head of school here that that really supported me 100 percent. You need that. First and foremost, if you're a leader of anything and you're not the head of it all, um, you need those people to support you. Um, You need to for them to buy into what you're selling. And so that's first and foremost. Obviously, if you own your own company or you're in charge of you're the president and coach of a a school of a a team, then I guess you're you're that person. And you just got to really be trusting yourself. But Whitfield had a pretty bad culture, and so that was a very different approach than a like kind of a clean slate versus a, a tough culture. And I would say that's why I think here it's taken a little bit longer to 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 build it the way I I felt like Wesleyan came a little quicker. Both had families and people within the community, work co-workers, whoever that bought into. What it is that I wanted to do, and so saying all that, what is it that I wanted to do? I think that's probably the question you're asking, and and the answer, um, and it's funny lately I've really really dug into it deeply, and and I know there are people that probably listen to this that that aren't religious or aren't you know aren't Christians aren't or maybe a different religion, but for me, um, and. It's in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was, you know, Jesus's opportunity to share what life is about. And it's not about the exterior, it's about the interior. My whole belief about not just baseball, about any sports, is it's not one member, it's the whole. And how is it that we can together, locked arms, and in this case in sports, compete, Uh, and serve each other and love each other in a way that's going to take us to the next level, whatever it is. You know, um, uh, FCA talks about uh, uh, 3D coaching and the idea of, okay, how do I take this young man or young woman from point A to point B? Like, what is it that is going to get them? If I want them, point B is whatever we define success. How do I get them from point A to point B? And in my case, again, reading the Sermon on the Mount, whether it's having a humble um, approach to whatever you do. I even apply it to hitting with baseball. I'll say, be a humble hitter. And, and it's not j- I'm not even, you know, Some at first they'll think, well, he's talking about sacrifice bunting, you know, not swinging when it's 3-0, whatever. No, I'm, I'm talking about be, have a humble approach. Get up to the plate knowing the, the situation. Is there a runner on first base? Are you really trying to move them over? If there's no one on, what's the what's the pitcher been doing? What's your approach when you get up there? Alex Cora always uses that uh, word. Um, I don't know if he's using it and uh, using, you know, the Bible and scripture for it. I don't know. But he'll, he says, be humble hitters. And so just the humility that you see within uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And then you can take kind of different parts of the Sermon on the Mount that talks about the various aspects of our interior, who we are as people, where our identity is, and and that's kind of how I've I've gone about coaching. I just I want my players to to believe in something bigger than themselves, believe that they that they are important each individually. They are important, and they know I love them, and I'm not afraid to tell them. Um, often uh, it's probably uncomfortable at times because Coach Shaheen probably says it too much, but. Um, But I want them to know that. But I also want them to know that there's something, it's so much better when you're working together for something bigger than yourself. And in reality, you take a lot of pressure off yourself when you do that. You know, I always, I'm a much better golfer in a scramble with a bunch of guys than I am when I'm competing with three other guys and it's individual, I'm just a – and I believe that's a a microcosm of life. I think when we lock arms and we come together, we can be better. Um, And and I've seen it over and over. I've seen teams that have superstars that don't achieve anything. I mean, what better story than the Tampa Bay Rays this year? I mean, it's absurd. I mean, name three people on their – players on their roster. You and I might be able to because we're baseball guys, but most people can't. And so it's pretty amazing to see stuff like that. And I think there is something bigger. My hope, uh, my approach comes from what I believe is the truth, and that comes from the Bible and Scripture. And to me, the Sermon on the Mount was the best example of that to then now, okay, how does that Sermon on – if I were to write a book, I just don't have time to do it, but I would write a baseball book uh, for coaches that uses the Sermon on the Mount, the whole book. Uh, I'd love to do that someday, but I don't know if I'll ever have time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. You got your hands full. So let's talk baseball. Let's talk Tampa Bay Rays because I know that's not your team, right? Your team has to battle them all the time, but somehow the Tampa Bay Rays are at the top of the division each and every single year. And you got the Red Sox, maybe a step behind them or at least close to them. Like, how is it that a team with very few resources, very few budgets are able to accomplish the thing that they're able to accomplish. You
1: think? I think it's it's unbelievable. And you know when you know most baseball guys would say Moneyball is you know a great movie or a great book if those who read it. Um, and what uh, Billy Bean was trying to kind of put together, or with the help of the advisors that he had, was something different because he couldn't compete with the large market teams. I feel like Tampa Bay, I'd love to see a book and a movie made kind of 2.0. What's 2.0 to that? Because let's face it, um, you know, Billy Bean and the A's have kind of, they'll get to a certain point, but Tampa's taken it to that next level. Tampa will have every opportunity to win a championship this year. Now, will they keep their players? Probably not because they don't pay for them, but uh, they let them go, but what are they doing? Well, I think they do use the sabermetrics. I do believe that they they take the whole versus the individual. They don't take, you know, you know, like the movie, The Moneyball. Most people, most people will probably listen to this. Will I've seen that movie? Just the idea of, you know, instead of having one guy, let's have three that makes up for it, and as a whole, that's going to benefit our team and our program. Well, I think they've taken it to that next step because their farm system is phenomenal. I mean, every t- they lose at least two pitchers every year because they're amazing and then they're going to get paid and so they move on and then they bring two more up that are 21, 22 years old. And a lot of people say, well, it's coached, you know, they-, they must have an amazing coaching staff at the young levels. Uh eh, I don't know. Like, I think I'm the same coach. This year, as I was four years ago when we had a terrible team, I, I think you got to have the right players. So to me, their recruiting, how they're finding their scouting system, is must be amazing because my Red Sox year in and year out can't find, you know, a second baseman or you know or whatever a left fielder, and they have to go and find and get some free agent in in Japan. Um, uh, who's doing great this year? But in the Yankees and the other uh, Dodgers, are just you know you know they'll probably get Otani. Um, but it's again, you look at the Texas Rangers and the Los Angeles Angels, who have literally done it the opposite way. They get the big name guy and pay a ton of money. And you look at their hold and they're terrible. I mean, not terrible, but they're not great. And then you look at Tampa Bay and they don't pay anybody a huge salary. But for some reason, they, they they raise up this group. I think, you know, I, if I said to you I have the answer to it, then I, that's ridiculous. I'm lying because I don't think anybody does. And if you ask Tampa Bay, I'd be curious to ask the, the, the people of Tampa Bay.
0: Well, I don't know how we're going to get them on and they're going to give us all of their secrets. But there was this. Uh, Bill Gates' presentation one time where he's on stage and he goes, I'm literally going to give you all the secrets to my company and our success and why we're great over the next hour. And then people are like, okay, you're going to give us your secret sauce? And then he's like, yeah, well, you wouldn't know what to do with it anyway because it's all about execution. Because you can have a great plan, you can have a great, but it's actually how are you executing it? But you're right. I think going back to it is how do they find and develop great talent? They have a system over there that they plug people into. That's right. And then they develop people to fit the system, and you see it. And I had a buddy that got drafted by the Cubs. um, Gosh, this was back in uh, 2003, and he was in the Cubs minor league system for four years, first round pick. And then he got traded to the Reds. And he goes, it was night and day. And this was back when the Reds didn't have a whole lot of resources, but they were very competitive. Right. And he goes, it was night and day the experience of being a minor league player in the Cubs organization back in the day versus the Reds. From the day one, hey, why are you here? What do you want? How can we help you get what you want? Well, this is the process. Do right. you buy in? Because you're right, you gotta have great talent, but you gotta give people a, a very clear goal and give them all the resources they need to be successful. And um, I thought that was really cool. So you're right, I I want to understand what's going on with the Rays because. Starting twenty and two and all of that, and Kevin Cash. And I think the really cool thing with Kevin Cash, their manager, it's you know, he wasn't a great player, but he was a great manager. And what do you think that is? That makes somebody a great manager of people. What do you? Mm. What is that thing?
1: Well, I, I think first and foremost, I was just gonna, as you were talking, I was thinking the difference between say high school baseball and pro, but something that I think is similar, different but similar, meaning. Uh, a different way to go about it, but it's the same principle. And that is, and I would say this, and I say this all the time here, and to some people it comes off as arrogant, and I don't mean it as arrogant at all. No one works harder than me, period. Like if you talk about the baseball program here, how is it built here? How is it built at Wesleyan? You just have to ask my wife, who doesn't see me from January to May. And then also when I have summer ball teams of all the players on in my program that can't make the big teams, so we put together teams so that they play because they're my 7, 8, 9 hitters And then in the summer and the fall, I have little kid camps that don't just have Whitfield kids but are having future Buckhead, future Smyrna, uh, future Sandy Springs families that will come here eventually. And so all that, to you know, and I would say, listen, I'm an administrator here. I get paid pretty well. I don't need to do that stuff. But if I'm going to be a head coach, if I'm going to run a program, I'm going to do it a certain way and I'm going to be all in. So I think commitment is a huge part of that. And to me, if if the players for the Tampa Bay Rays or Vanderbilt Commodores or Whitfield um, Wolfpack, or whatever program you're doing, a travel ball team, or a little league team, if they believe you as the head coach are the first one in and the last to leave, and you're willing to do whatever it is you're asking them to do, then to me, that to me is number one. Like I would even say all the other leadership things, there's three trillion books about leadership. If you're unwilling to do that, you shouldn't even bother with the other stuff. Because then what happens is later on, people see right through it, you become a used car salesman you know that they see right through that. Uh it's snake oil. Hey, he does he barely he doesn't even come here on time. He he he's not, you know, putting in the extra time. He doesn't even do camps. He's not trying to develop the program. I would assume that Kevin Cash knows the left fielder for his single A team. I would just assume that why? Because that guy's going to be his left fielder in like two years. You know, the Red Sox, the left fielder for single A, will probably never get to the big leagues. Will probably never play the green monster. But Tampa Bay, because they know that that, that guy is going to be the guy someday, because they don't take guys from other teams because they don't have the money to do it. And so what do they do? They invest in their people. So I would assume Kevin Cash is knee deep in his work every day, all day. Um, if, if he's not, I'd be very surprised and I'd love to know what he, what it is he does, but I would say first and foremost, he's the first one in last one out and, and he does everything he's asking his players to do.
0: So good. And investing in your people, I think is really good. Mm And one thing that I want to pick up on what you said, Mike, is as you built your program, you are looking at, hey, who are your players today? But I think you, you, just like Tampa Bay, it's like, well, who are my players three, four, five years from now? And you're investing in the next generation and you're getting the tools and the resources and all of the things that they need because one day they might play for you. And I think that's really cool. And, you know, business leaders, coaches, how do you actually go about developing talent? One, figuring out, does this person have what it takes to begin with? Because you don't want to put somebody in a seat, whether they're in a, business role or whatever that they're just not meant for. But if they are in that seat, how do
1: you develop yeah. them? How do you get them to be an a-, a player? Well, I love that question because my job here is director of student leadership. And so that's literally my job at the school. And what our philosophy is, that, and it's a bunch of E's, it's equip. So first and foremost, you can't expect anyone to do anything if they don't know how to do it. And so... That's, you know, again, it's the disciple making process. If you want someone, if you have someone who's the leader who knows how to do something and do it well and be successful, they now have to be willing to put the time and effort into pouring into those students or student athletes. And so, first and foremost, equip them. All right. If they don't know how to bunt, if they don't know how to steal, if they don't, the little things that we do over the summer with our, our travel ball team called the Grinders or, The things that I do that first month in January before games start, I, you know, I learned it. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite coaches to learn about and to hear what he does is Bill Belichick. And if I I, and it makes me laugh because I'll see coaches yelling at their players all the time for certain things that they do wrong. And I think in my head the whole time I'm watching that, I'm thinking, I wonder if they even practiced tagging from third base in practice ever or they just assume the kid knew how to do it i'm i'm wondering if they ever practice push bunts in between the the pitcher and the first baseman in order to get a hit even though it's a sack situation you know just little things delay steal like we delay steal probably 40 50 times a year because high school catchers and middle infielders don't don't react well to it well we practice it all the time and so to me equip is huge like, you've got to equip. And that, it,
0: Piggybacking on that, I was working with a client the other day, and we were listening to a sales call. He had a guy that wasn't performing. And I said, well, have you listened to his sales calls? He goes, well, no. I go, huh. well, if I mean, that's just like watching game tape. Like, okay, well, let's listen to it. He's listening. He's watching. He's like, I can't believe he said that. I, what is he doing? And I said the same thing. I go, well, have you taught him? How to handle that situation. Have you practiced that situation? Well, no. Well, then what good does it do you to get mad at the player when you haven't taught him or modeled him how to do that? And I think just so many leaders are so busy doing so many things. They're not focusing on the simple things like the fundamentals of tagging, you know, tagging correctly or handling the sales call or whatever. So I think that's really
1: good. So equip is your first one. What about Okay? The next one is a big one to the new the the Gen Z group, which is the one I'm dealing with today, and that is Empower. And the reason why we have a director of student leadership at our school is because we don't live the way you and I lived growing up. You know, we learned all the leadership skills we needed to as kids because we got our butts kicked out of the house and come back at the end of the day, go pool hopping, go play uh, tennis ball, baseball down at there, go roller hockey, whatever it is in the winter, we would ice skate up in Boston on the pond, but you learned how to deal with a bully, you learned how to compromise, you learned all the various things that leaders or people have to live through and go through to become a leader someday. And so today, we actually have to like manufacture this, which is sad that kids literally grow up and it's a play day, meaning an adult has to watch them to go play. And so Living in the Dominican for for six years and my son and daughter growing up their biggest years, like age six to 12 in the Dominican, was a great reminder for me. So when I got back, I wanted to do student leadership because, yes, you, you can equip them, and that is you pouring into them. But part two, if Jesus doesn't send out the disciples two by two to learn and advise them when they come back, they would have never known. And in that same way here— um, if our advisors of our various student government, hands and feet, uh, SALT, student athletic leadership team, all those things, if they don't now say kick them in the butt and say get out there and now do it, you make the call, you go talk to the adult, you come up with a plan, you, you build that camp out, plan the camp, and, and then you guys teach it. If we don't empower, um, I mean, that's 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 the biggest thing going on right now to me. Uh, with Gen Z, people talk about fo- cell phones and technology and all that. That's that's fine, but if we don't, at some point, whether they're eleven, twelve, thirteen, now make them go to the counter and pay for their food. Make them do things. My son used to cry all the time in the Dominican when he was 10, 11, 12, because he'd say, I, "I want a cheeseburger," or "I want this," or "I want that," and I'd say, "I would give him the money," and he would cry. He's like, "You got to go do that," and I'd say, "No." You need to learn how to do that. I mean, you and I, Casey, did that when we were five, six, and seven because our mom or dad would give us $2 and say, you know, get your snack, get your whatever. And so we had to learn right away. Um, They're not learning those things. So equip them, but then maybe the biggest thing is not micromanage them. Empower them and let them make mistakes. They're not going to learn unless they make mistakes. I didn't learn as a coach until I sent a guy home. And said, "Oh, that was such a stupid move. Why would I do that? Or or why did I bunt in this situation? Or why did we do this or that?" And so, um, equip and then empower. Those those are the the first two. And you know, and, and then the other E, which goes to the part two of the empower, would be engagement. They need to engage in every aspect of the community and every level, not just the first level. Not just, hey, go to the next classroom in school and do this, but no, go to the principal and talk to them about it. Go uh, to the parent group outside this school. Then what's that highest level? Outside the community. You know, we'll take them to the Dominican Republic uh, every January for our J term. And they have to, last year we took athletes and I made them do, they had to create and perform sports camps. I had volleyball girls doing a volleyball camp for Dominican girls, a basketball, a baseball, softball, you know, the various different things. And and so that engagement leads to the other E, um, which is experience. And it's an experience that they've never had. And until they experience, they can't, you know, that's leadership right there, equipping them, empowering them. They're, and part of the empowerment is the engagement. But then then they'll have that experience that will allow them to be a leader someday if they so you know shall choose Um, but that's what we're trying to do here at Whitfield that's what I try to do with my baseball players we're gonna uh, start a program this year that um, I waited for this senior group to come up uh, called building men for others which puts them they're in charge of the younger guys on our varsity team they'll have a group of kids on the JV team and then on the middle school team as well so every senior will have a group of kids from juniors all the way down to seventh graders that they have to check in with, that they have to, you know, go to their game and watch them. They got to see them at school and have lunch with them one day every couple weeks. Just a, a program that gets them to do stuff. I'll show them how to do it and then they got to do it. So, so many good things here.
0: And I see so many things that I can take from this and use this with some of the companies that I help because you're basically creating that culture of self-accountability where everybody's working with each other, encouraging and empowering everybody, where it doesn't just rely you, Mike, as the head coach to do it. Everybody's doing it without you, which is, I think, really cool because people are really buying in. That's got to be a reason why you've reached some of the levels of success you have. Well, that,
1: that, that's the hope. But um, just using a biblical um, example again, to me... The hardest part for all of this today, you know, someone can can hear this, equip, empower, engage, experience. They could say, oh, I'm all in. I want to do that. But it was 16,000 hours that Jesus spent with the disciples, three years. If you put those hours together, and that's more or less 16,000 hours. It's not a, ha- it's not a half hour on a Saturday morning at Chick-fil-A you know, once a month. It's not, um, you know, it's not even a check-in here or there. I mean, discipleship, training, building other men or women, women up within your company. Are we more about numbers? Are we more about, you know, uh, programming? Or are we about the individuals? And I would say Chick-fil-A is a great model of that. And there's lots of companies that are. And I know you buy into that as well. I mean, if you build You know, you have three or four people under you, you supervise them and you build them up. You can just sit back and watch and it's going to be amazing, but you got to do the work in on the front end. I mean, you got to equip them. You got to love them. You got to, you know, care for them. They got to know that you're genuinely, that's what you want to do. And I think when that happens, um, it's, it's special to see. I think we were very successful this year in baseball. We lost in the second round. We had some injuries to pitchers, um, and so there's a lot of people around here that are very disappointed, which is fine. It's okay to be disappointed. But to me, it's a it's it could be a you know we'll see 20 years from now uh, as they grow up and become men. But my hope is that it was a successful year because I I do feel like as a team they were as close of a team as uh, maybe I've ever had. So good. Well, Mike, uh, how does somebody get a hold of you? Learn more about what you're doing today. Well, I'm at Whitfield Academy in in Smyrna, Georgia, and um, I mean you could look that up anywhere I'm, uh, on the on the web and uh, all the different social medias. I'm not a huge social media guy. I, I I have Facebook and 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 have a Whitfield baseball Instagram, but you could easily find me um, uh, through various. You know, um, there's not a whole lot of name wise Mike Shaheens around, and and um, but I'm always looking to. I love brothers or sisters that want to get together and talk leadership and talk uh, program uh, building. And I I love this stuff. So uh, this was the right um, uh, opportunity right now with you, Casey. I love this. I I'd do this all the time if I could.
0: Good deal, Mike. Well, thanks again for being a guest on the Dugout CEO podcast. All right. Thank
1: you, Casey. Have a great day.
0: Dugout Nation, what an honor to spend time with Mike Shaheen. The philosophy he shared around how he has built multiple winning programs was phenomenal. The four E's. Equip. If you want somebody to do something and do it well, help them learn how to do it. Empower. Allow people to make decisions, take risks, and make mistakes. And when they do make mistakes, support them and let them learn from it. Handing over influence and power to your team to lead others. And engagement. People need to be engaged in every aspect of their communities. Create opportunities for people to engage in their community and experience. It's key. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP of what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter, and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to CaseyCavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app.